Welcome to episode 9 of Women of the Wiggins, where the men aren't the only ones with stories from the Wiggin Trail. I'm Cass Patterson, Women of the Wiggins, brought to you by Western Financial Group. Western Financial Group is a diversified insurance services company that's focused on creating security and has provided 1 million Canadians the right protection for more than 100 years. When you need insurance for your home, office, farm, or vehicle, call Western Financial Group and visit westernfinancialgroup.ca. I'm excited to bring you episode number nine, one episode away from double digits. That's exciting. Uh, But this week, we have a very interesting guest. She's spent a lot of time on the wagon trail over the past few years. And while she's not a wife or a barn hand or a girlfriend or a daughter, she has a very unique connection. Uh, her name is Shelly Scott. You probably have seen her photography. Uh, they use it a lot on the WPCA social media channels. She also has a very unique uh, relationship with the Chuck Wiggins because not only is she a photographer, but she's also a horse owner. I know you need a little more explanation there, but I want to kind of leave that for the interview because there's a very cool story that goes along with a horse named Jimmy, who Shelly owns, but he's one of the outriding horses. So stay tuned for that. And without further ado, we're going to send it over to Shelly Scott. And we are on the line with photographer extraordinaire, equine lover extraordinaire. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could give her a thousand different nicknames, but I think she won't like half of them if I start saying them. Uh, we're on with Shelly Scott. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, Shelly, I want to start off with talking about kind of your background and your history. Everybody sees you. They see you with a camera and a lens and they go, there's the photo lady, but there's so much more to you. You grew up on a farm. Let's start off there. Yeah, thanks Cass. I grew up on a farm just outside of Rocky Mountain House and my mom and dad and family all still still live on that farm today. Um, When I was younger, my dad was a cattle rancher and farmer. But as me and my sister got a little bit older, he actually got out of farming. So when we were on the farm, we actually didn't actively do a lot of farm activities. My sister and I never participated in 4-H or anything like that. So I had the farm upbringing, but none of the animal skills. And actually, when we were quite young, my grandfather and family always had horses just, you know, quarter horses, pleasure, Western horses, or, or doing ranch work horses. And my sister and I were actually quite young and we were riding with my grandpa and we were going down by the riverbank by our house. And my grandpa's horse actually stumbled and him and the horse actually tumbled down the hill, down the riverbank. And it scared the crap out of me as a child. So I was actually scared of horses until, you know, I kind of started becoming part of this this chuck wagon life. So once I finished high school in Rocky Mountain House, I actually moved to Calgary and went to state and did the petroleum engineering technology course there. And ever since I've been working for a company in downtown Calgary called TriStar Resource Management, which is a drilling and completions consulting company. And I do a lot of their drilling engineering, licensing, programming, end of well submissions, 
and things like that, which actually kind of does tie nicely into the truck wagon life as a bunch of the guys, um, Chance Vegan, Eddie Melville, they all work in the oil field as well. And I actually see them downtown Calgary all the time, along with a bunch of the sponsors and other people that are just involved with wagons. And it also, working at TriStar, it's really flexible. So it's actually allowed me to kind of be involved with this as well. So let's go through that. You go to school for petroleum engineering, then you pick up a camera. I'm guessing you had picked it up during your time at school and somehow you get into rodeo and chuck wagons and are the photographer there. Right. So as a child, I was always kind of one of those little kids and this is kind of going to date me a little bit, but I had the little like film cameras that were just the little point and shoot roll up to the next one. And I was always that kid that had one of those around and, you know, whenever we would go to the lake or something like that, I was always taking pictures. So the photography thing kind of fits nicely. And um, my grandfather, who I was speaking about earlier, he actually was the president of the Rocky Rodeo Association for quite a few years. So they were always really involved with the local rodeo here in Rocky Mountain House. So kind of through him and stuff, I, I did develop that love for rodeo. When I kind of got out of state and started working, that's when I really picked up on the check wagons and rodeo and just kind of slowly started to, you know, I couldn't afford much for cameras back in those days and just was, and I didn't have any of the access either. So I was just kind of taking pictures from the stands and then kind of as more and more I did it, I started wow, this is something that I'm really interested in. You got carded in 2014. What does that mean? And what does carded entail? So I'm going to kind of throw it over to the rodeo just for a little bit here. So in the CPRA, Canadian Professional Rodeo Association, you actually have to become a member of the association and go through a process with them to become certified to take photographs. So how that works is you have to you know, go out on your own to begin with and, and take a bunch of photos at a bunch of different rodeos and stuff and all of this, you know, from a spectator point of view, none of it can be obviously in the arena. Once they go through your photos and determine that you can actually take a photo, then they go through and do actually um, an in-arena assessment. So they go with you and one of the professional photographers that's already a member will shoot a performance with you in the arena to make sure that you know obviously how to behave around animals, things that maybe you shouldn't be taking pictures of, anything like that, that you know, you're where you should be, you're not going to interfere with the performance or anything like that, get yourself hurt, get anybody else hurt, mess up anybody's run or ride. So once they kind of go through that whole process, then you're allowed to buy a membership to the association. And then that gives you basically permission to attend any events. And then you kind of go forward as a freelancer and you're allowed to attend the events. And then at that point, once you're a member, you can sell your images. So if you are just regularly shooting the, the rodeo and stuff, you can't actually sell those images to contestants or anything like that. Those images can only be for personal use which kind of protects the members of the association. That's really interesting. Who did you do your uh, carding with? Who was your professional photographer? 
So with Rodeo Canada, um, Mike Copeman was a huge, huge mentor for me. And that was um, at the time that I was doing that, I think he was the only one that could approve you for the in arena stuff. Um, and Mike's retired now, but he hugely, hugely helped me out, like just with so much, both photographically and like arena etiquette and all of that kind of stuff. And actually even uh, equipment wise, I actually, the camera that I shoot now is actually uh, one of Mike's old bodies that I bought off of him. That's really cool. Total side note, the only other Broadgo photographer I think I know is Kobe Moore. And Kobe Moore actually, in my notes here, is one of the other people that I did want to bring up. And Kobe's helped me so many ways. And I, I wanted to mention that about all the photographers is they're all so good, so friendly. Everybody's willing to help all the time. And Kobe, especially, I don't know if you've followed any of my photography, but kind of within the second half of last year, you could maybe tell that I was getting some different angles and stuff, like some stuff from quite high, some stuff from quite low. And actually it was Kobe that was really coaching me to, to help and get some of those different angles. That's really interesting. Uh, I've listened to a podcast with him and it's kind of interesting that his camera work style came from uh, race car driving, from shooting that. Yeah, I think everybody kind of has a different background like that with their photography too. So it kind of, all of us with those different backgrounds can kind of help each other. Like Kobe with his auto racing, Mike Copeman used to shoot um, like architectural stuff like that. So that was kind of a different aspect as well. And I just wanted to also touch on Fred Vidiak, who is one of the other WPCA photographers and, and really thank him because he has helped me so much as well along with technique. Um, and just being like an all-around good guy like Fred is the best like lots of times like in Strathmore for example one night we went and shot photos from the fourth turn and Fred like picks me up in his side-by-side -side from my truck loads me up in his side-by-side -side. we go out there he lets me stand in the back of it he brings a ladder for himself and like literally the guy could not do any more to help you out and just want to thank Fred for that and that's you know every show we go to and everything like that like Fred is always so good you know oh if you need a place to edit photos come and hang out in my trailer and just so nice that's awesome all right so let's kind of get more into how you somehow went from shooting rodeo to then you became a part of this crazy world that we call Chuck Wiggins Exactly. So in about 2014, so 2013, I really decided that I was going to take this seriously, try to get memberships and all that kind of stuff. So 2013, I spent a lot of that summer kind of attending different shows, taking photos as a spectator, you know, but trying to still get as close as you can and get those good shots and everything. So at the end of 2013, um, in that year, Rocky Mountain House was uh, the last show on the WPCA tour, and that's where the finals were. And I actually met through Chance's mother on Facebook, Chance Vegan. Um, I met Chance's sponsor and kind of caught up with him on the phone, and his name was Phil Troyer, and Troyer Ventures was sponsoring Chance at the time. And that was still, Chance was quite new as a driver at that point. So they were doing all kinds of stuff. And so that was actually through Facebook, through Chance's mother was how I really got directly involved. And kind of from there, 
the next spring, um, Phil at Troyer, they actually rebuilt Chance's Liner that winter. And so Grand Prairie Stompy 2014 uh, was the big unveiling of the new liner. So Phil actually flew me up from Calgary. I took days off and Phil flew me up there and I hung out. And I, by that time I had all my certification with the CPRA and the WPCA to take photographs. And I just flew up there and helped out, like saw the liner reveal, took photos of that and took photos of the rodeo. and. At that point, just through Phil and everything, I met Chance and his friends and his crew, and I was part of the family after that. You just never left. Yeah, they couldn't get rid of me after that first time. And Chance is probably listening to this going, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Phil's fault. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about being getting your certification through the WPCA, because it's not the same as the CPRA. Correct. So the WPCA, they have, I think, myself, Fred, and um, Paul and Carol Easton, I believe, are the only kind of really approved photographers on the tour. They're a little bit more of a gray area. Like the CPRA has very clear rules of how to become the process and, and who can do what and who can sell to who and, and all how that works. The WPCA is a lot more of a gray area on that. So, and I know there are a lot of people like um, Dina Sutherland, obviously she takes photos and, and Mark and Dayton and stuff use those and she does great work as well. And there's several, like lots of families kind of do their own thing. And so it's, it is a little bit different that way, but kind of myself, Fred um, and Paul and Carol are kind of the major ones that, that attend more of this stuff. Um, I typically try to get as many places I, as I can. Grand Prairie, I don't always get to. Um, I haven't been to Saskatoon yet. Um, my actually, my hometown rodeo of Rocky Mountain House, I always try to shoot that rodeo. So that usually falls on the Saskatoon weekend. And then I pretty much go everywhere with the WPCA until Dawson. Um, and so in places like High River, Pinoca, Calgary, I also shoot the rodeo there. And then when they head to Dawson, just between Strathmore and Rocky, that's such a quick turnaround. And I always try, again, Rocky, the hometown show for me, I always try to, you know, make sure I'm there for the whole show. So depending on my volume of work at work, it kind of dictates when I can get away. So shows like High River, Madison Hat, those ones, kind of just depends on my work volume if I can get away for the Thursday night or if I don't get out there until Friday. So you mentioned Stampede. Um, let's talk about the difference in access at Calgary compared to the CPRA or the WPCA shows because I mean I know as a reporter our access is very different and I'm sure it's the same as a photographer. Yeah, that's correct. So Calgary kind of obviously with rodeo and check wagons kind of operates under its own system. So because you're a CPA, CPRA photographer and a WPCA photographer, that does not mean that you have any rights or anything to just go into Calgary, where if it was a normal sanctioned CPRA or WPCA event, I would. So for Calgary, especially as a freelancer, I actually have to go out to different outlets, um, such as Western Horse Review is actually, I've done a lot of stuff for them the last couple of years. 
Um, so you would have to go and find all of these outlets on your own as a freelancer and present to Calgary a package with all of these assignments of, of freelance work. And then based on what work you've collected for yourself and are presenting to Calgary and, you know, let them know what the exposure and all that kind of stuff is for that work, then they will grant you access to shoot the rodeo and checks based on that. So there's a lot of research involved. For sure there is. So I kind of, or you know what, let's talk about this first because it kind of coincides. Um, to do all these shows, you have to have the proper equipment. You have to have the proper um, lenses, body, uh, like you said, even computers, you need a proper computer to edit on. So, I mean, breaking it down to the nitty gritty, it's not a cheap hobby and it's not even a hobby it's a it's a full-time job plus a full-time job that's actually you know a lot of it and i think a lot of people i don't want to say people are naive and don't understand but it is very when you tell people how much your equipment and stuff is worth they kind of like take a second look at you and they're like oh really i'm like yeah <laughs> really so when i started out you know, I bought, I, I shoot all Nikon equipment. Um, and when I started out, I bought just kind of what I thought would be a good lens and what I thought would be a good body, you know, that was in the price range that I had to work with. And from there, I think I'm, I've had, I'm up to like upgraded three times to three, I'm on the third body now um, of the camera. And the lens is, I'm on the second lens so i've upgraded my lens as well plus all the other lenses that you use just for shooting other stuff and i actually bought um it's very like a lot of the rodeo guys you'll see them with like the really huge huge heavy lenses that are kind of the zoom on them is about 400 millimeters and they're really heavy <laughs> and very expensive so I actually went a different route with mine. Um, I And then again, those lenses are too much um, zooming in for the track wagons and stuff to get your full outfit shots. So I actually, and I have always kind of went with this model, I've used the 70 to 200 millimeter lens as kind of, you know, my staple and kind of work around that. And for the rodeos, I actually, when I upgraded to the lens that I have now, I actually got what's called a converter and you put it in between the lens and the camera body and it just zooms zooms you in a little bit more you do lose a tiny bit of image quality there but just for versatility you can just pop that little thing in and out and a lot of places that we're at like calgary for example you know i don't have an rv there i'm not even parking right at site so I'm just packing a backpack in for the day. So you can pack that and then just flip that little piece in and out and be ready to go from rodeo to shoot the trucks. So probably right now, and I'm always hesitant to get rid of some of this little bit older equipment too, just in case something goes wrong and you have to have something to back you up. So I was thinking about this the other day and probably I have over $20,000 of equipment that I'm kind of just going with every day. And not only that, there's also the expenses of going down the road. Um, so again, I don't have an RV or anything and I always have to, um, 
when I'm away, I'm always kind of on call for work too. Or when we go to places like Pinocchio, I'll kind of try to work in the morning, then shoot the rodeo, then do chores, shoot the chucks, then head back, process some photos. You know, so I need power. I need internet. Not that RVs and stuff don't have those anymore, but staying at a hotel is, is usually going to be easier for me. So I have been still doing that. I, I keep going back and forth on the idea of getting a small motor home, but that's definitely another investment for another day. So there is, when I first started out, I was like, if I can just make enough money to keep my equipment up and keep all these expenses, so fuel, hotels, and all that kind of stuff paid for, I'm doing good. And actually, the last couple of years, I've, I've actually you know, made some money doing it. So that's been really enjoyable for me. So you talked about chores. So I kind of want to get into what does a typical day for you look like uh, when you're on the road? You touched on it a little bit with Pinocchio and, you know, kind of needing power and this, that, and the other thing. But for you, when you're out on the road, what does a typical day look like? Yeah, so for me, typical day, and these are kind of would be the shows where we where there's both the CPRA rodeo and the WPCA going on. So I would get up in the morning. I don't get up for morning chores, which is always kind of lazy of me, but I usually have quite a bit later nights just with trying to process the photos and, and that kind of thing. So I usually crawl out of bed, you know, anywhere between 9 and 11 in the morning and <laughs> whatever I have to do for work that day get that all done and be dressed and ready and head over for the rodeo performance which which usually kicks off about one o'clock and then the rodeo usually so I would shoot that it usually wraps up between three and four most places and then from then I would usually I head over to Chance Beans Barn and help him and Rochelle and whoever they have as barn hands help them with turning the horses out doing the barn um then I'll help try to help Rochelle with dinner or anything like that or anywhere else I can help we usually chill for a little bit then it's time to start getting the horses ready so there's baths brushing all that kind of stuff to get them ready for the races and then one of my, I would say, passions is the outriding horses. Um, so I really love to help get them get ready. Um, so kind of the saddling and that kind of stuff of the outriding horses, Rochelle and Chance usually let me do that. Uh, and then depending on the show, uh, usually myself and someone else, I'll get my camera and stuff ready and we'll take the outriding horses over and then I will shoot the wagon performance, head on back, and help again with barn chores and get the horses all fed and in for the night. Then Rochelle usually makes something wonderful to eat, and we visit for a little bit, then it's back to the hotel, and then I've been helping um, Ryan do a bunch of the social media for the WPCA. So after every race night, um, myself and Fred have been trying to post some photos on the WPCA Facebook page as well as Instagram. And then once that's all wrapped up, if there's any of my actual work that I needed to get done as well, and then off to bed for another day. So, I mean, I'd like to say that you help out with the chores and the outriding horses and, you know, the upkeep with Chance and Rochelle because it's, you know, out of the goodness of your heart, but you have a little bit of a stake in it as you own Jimmy, one of Chance's outriding horses. 
Yeah, that's correct. So I believe the year was 2014. I was looking that up the other day and I think that was the right year. So I showed up to Strathmore on the first day of Strathmore after the rodeo that year. And there's a new horse out in the pen. And I said right away to answer ourselves, well, who's this guy? And, and where did he come from? And he's pretty nice. He's pretty cute. <laughs> so they explained that it was Jimmy. He was a new outriding horse and they had purchased him off of a uh, former driver, Ray Crotto Jr. And from that point on, I, you know, I always had a soft spot for the outriding horses, but that guy just became my favorite right there. So back in, I think, 2014, um, Calgary Stampede was still based on qualification. So you had to finish whatever it was, 23rd, 24th in the world to automatically qualify for the Calgary Stampede next year. So at this point, Chance was right on the bubble for doing that. And he had this one amazing horse named Candy. And, you know, a good horse like that can, can, one great horse to me can't make an outfit. And so he had this one phenomenal horse and a bunch of other kind of mediocre horses. He had some injuries and he was really, really flirting with that bubble to make Calgary. So he also wasn't flush with cash. So at that point, he was going to have to sell candy, um, which would have just broke his heart, and ha use that money from candy to buy kind of almost a whole nother outfit that he would have been able to compete with to try to qualify for Calgary. So I said to Chance and Rochelle that year, I said, oh, I've always wanted a horse. I've never had my own horse. I don't, I, I live in the city of Calgary. I don't have a farm. So what if I was to purchase Jimmy off of you guys, would that give you guys enough cash that you could go out and buy a couple more horses? You know, we'd be able to keep candy. You'd be able to try to make Calgary and Jimmy would be my horse, but you guys would look after him and feed him and he would live with you and just be my horse. And Chancellor and Michelle thought about it for a couple of days. And at the end of Strathmore, they were like, all right, Shelly, he's yours. <laughs> so I brought some money out to Rocky and he had a couple new horses and we made Calgary. That's exciting. So kind of for you, what does it entail owning Jimmy? For me on the, you know, other than just my feelings, <laughs> really, you know, just to be more involved, more a part of it, you know, and, and, and have, my own horse but like I don't ride I've ridden him twice um both in Rocky Mountain House and he's it's kind of scary <laughs> so he's not a leisure horse no no not for a beginner rider um and he actually is he's one of the and I don't know if the outriders just say this too because they know it would appease me or not but they always oh yeah Jimmy that's great we love riding Jimmy so I have no idea if that's actually true or not but um, any, so I've actually worked with um, Eddie and Billy Melville doing the Equine Outfit of Excellence Awards and doing the photography for that for quite a few year, years as well. And actually, this year, uh, Jimmy was the highest pointed horse on the tour. And that was, I was so proud of that, even though it was, you know, it had nothing to do with me, but 
I was so proud and I was like, come on, Eddie, like why? He has the highest points of all the other horses on the tour. And Eddie said this to me and I, I would never forget it. He said that, you know, outriding horses aren't the first horses picked for the equine outfit of excellence because an outriding horse will never win you a race, but they can always lose you a race. That's a it, really interesting. That's cool. Um, well, I hope to meet Jimmy one day. I've seen photos. He looks very sweet. Yeah, he, he definitely has a temperament and you can tell when he's had enough of me for, for the day or the show and he's, he's ready. To it's like, mom, go. Yeah, we're done. It's like, I like them better. You, you can just leave. <laughs> exactly. So something interesting that i found was two years ago in 2018 you received the wpca media award so let's talk a little bit about that because i don't think people know as much about the award side of the wpca as they do say the calgary stampede winner winner or you know the different show winners but there are different awards that guys and people girls can get at the end of the year yeah, that's correct. So typically after, you know, obviously there won't be one this year, um, but at the end of every race season, kind of somewhere around that Thanksgiving um, time of year, Tammy Christensen, again, puts on a fabulous, fabulous event. And it's, you know, an awards gala for the end of the year. And there are all kinds of awards. There's obviously they honor the world champion driver and outrider, but there's all kinds of awards like race committee of the year and a judging award. And one of those awards is the WPCA media award. And back in 2018, um, myself, Fred Vidiak and Paul and Carol Easton were the, the winners of that award. And it was, that was just such a memorable night for me. I actually had no idea at all um, that I had won. And it, just kudos to Tammy for that because of course she knew and I actually every year help Tammy set up the banquet and everything. So I'm helping her set up all these awards and she's trying to hide it from me and I still had no idea up until um, they actually started talking about the award. And, one of my kind of duties with helping with the awards is to help escort the winner off the stage and out to the photo room for Paul and Carol to take the winner's photos. And I, I was gonna head out and Tammy's like, no, wait here for just a second. <laughs> and then I could hear Billy and he started talking about, about what was happening. And then Billy actually wanted me to say a few words and I just, I could not keep it together at all. So. Yeah, just extremely touching that obviously these awards, um, you have to be nominated in the first place. And then they're discussed with the WPCA board and the winners are chosen. So to know that I had been nominated and, you know, that that was the discussion was that, you know, we were deserving of this award was just hugely touching. That's really cool. And I mean, as we both know, wrangling those people to go get photos, uh, you need a rope. Lastly. <laughs> yeah, exit with the stage and the stairs does not always um, become obvious, apparently. <laughs> um, have you worn the belt buckle? I saw it. It was beautiful. I actually, I wear it every day. 
um, as soon as I actually got it, I wore it to work and, and for work, I, I wear dress pants to work and the buckle is actually too heavy and my pants were falling down all the time. And, but I was just like, everybody goes, you have to look at this. And yeah, I, I wear it. You know, every time I wear pants that are sturdy enough to hold it up, I, I have that thing on. So jeans are your best friend. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Going into the not so fun topic about, you know, the fact we aren't racing. If we were right now, we'd be in High River. Sad face. Anyways. Um, what is your life looking like right now? I know back in September, October, you were taking a graphic design course while still working. So what are you doing now? How are you filling your time? Well, so it's kind of obviously been the COVID double whammy of, of the virus and, and all of those repercussions of having the pandemic, as well as the global drop in oil price. So as a drilling engineering technologist, that kind of kicks you when you're down too. So we work, I work as a consultant for this company and our office downtown is closed right now. And there's a possibility we may not be back till September, just between you know, the virus ramifications and now the the oil price. And, you know, it is starting to get a little more hopeful for that. Um, but, you know, it's it's anybody's game and hard to say when, when that's going to rebound. So we're just being hopeful. I am still working, um, working from home. So actually when this whole thing started, I headed back to Rocky Mountain House to the farm and have been hanging out here ever since. And that's been, it's been better than, you know, being cooped up in the city for, for this long of a time. And now that it's summer, but yeah, it's, it's hard, especially on, you know, weekend nights when you know, should be somewhere else. It's hard. I saw Rochelle's Instagram yesterday and uh, she said that she was mowing to keep her mind off of it. And I was like, well, that, that's movement. <laughs> yeah, it's, it can be. You know, I think we're all finding different ways to cope. I, I listened to um, one of the podcasts with Logan Gorse the other day, and he said, you know, he was he was doing kind of okay until that first night of Grand Prairie hit, and everybody's posting, you know, on all the social medias about where we should be and, and all the feelings and stuff around that. And, you know, yeah, I, I feel the same for sure. So are you still doing your graphic design course? Are you still working on that? I was, so we actually, I did courses, um, so there's a graphic design program at State, so I've been working through that. I did a few courses kind of in the evenings during the winter months and then into the spring, and then I shut her down about March because um, we actually went to Hawaii and had a great time there before the whole pandemic hit, got back and things hit the fan, and so State actually right now, it, um, those courses aren't offered in the summertime. Um, so I'm hoping that once kind of fall comes back, I was hoping to resume and, and get that finished up. So I'm still hopeful that even if it's not an in-person class, that they will have classes available in the fall to finish that up. Awesome. And then uh, I guess the last thing we wanted to talk about was kind of the family aspect of the WPCA because I mean, all in all, it's kind of what it is. It's a giant family. And I think, who said it? I think Rick Fraser said it best. People fight, people argue, people don't talk. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, we all have the same common goal and that. 
for sure. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch on that as, as the family thing. So unlike a lot of people involved in the check wagons, I'm not genetically related to anybody there. So that to me is, I thought it, I thought at, actually at the beginning that that might be a disadvantage because everybody did seem like such a close knit group. And I thought like, how am I going to even work my way into here? And, and, you know, again, from that first time up in Grand Prairie, you know, Chance took me on as, as part of the crew and part of the family. And from there on, I have been actually Chance and Rochelle weren't even together yet at that point. So, um, and then when Rochelle came and, you know, she totally like her and I are, I, you know, I don't know if she's like my sister or my best friend, or I don't know how to describe that, but you know, she, she is family to me for sure as well as Chance, you know, the dog, Rochelle's mom, she comes out to a lot of the shows and, you know, she's my summertime mother and I can't say enough about, and then that's everyone in the WPCA, um, you know, like from Les um, to Tammy and the whole crew. And my birthday actually almost always falls during Calgary. So I never spend it with my family, you know, my real family. So you know, Rochelle and Chance always try to do something in the barn. We always have cake. It's always, you know, one of the best days of the summer still and that I can have that with family, you know, while we're out on the road is so awesome. That's really cool. And I mean, you have just continued that with how welcoming you've been to me and how supportive you've been for the podcast and for myself as a reporter and everything. So thank you because you really did continue on that feeling. Um, kinda, I guess I wanna tack this on at the end, the Half Mile of Hell Foundation. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I think it was probably in existence prior to when Ed Witchin, the WPCA president, approached me in early 2017. Um, so he approached me to come on board and, and to get that, help him get that foundation kind of back on its feet and, you know, having, having a purpose, doing some things. And so I came on in 2017, um, along with quite a few other people that are kind of involved in the in the Chuck Reagan life, including um, Marnie Malvin, uh, Ken Malvin's wife from the merchandise trailer. Huge plug for the WPCA merchandise trailer, everybody go check it out. I've helped Ken do a lot of stuff in the past. So a lot of the graphics and stuff, um, the photos on his shirts are, are mine. So please help us out that way. And um, Cass actually has just come on board with the foundation now. Um, Billy Melville is, is on board. There's lots, lots of people. Um, so in 2017, we actually really got rolling with this and we had a silent auction, um, to raise funds as well. That was at the banquet that year. And we did a charity hockey game with some NHL alumni and the WPCA guys out in Strathmore, which was really fun. And that was kind of a whole weekend of festivities. and. Actually, a lot of the money that we raised there went directly into the WPCA driver's pockets. So that was really nice. It's been hard, um, again, with the oil price. The oil price in Alberta, we know, drives the majority of the economy. 
So with that and everybody trying to work so hard and it has taken a little bit of a backseat. Um, so we are trying to work towards potentially setting up some kind of a hall of fame um, with criteria and nominations and a committee and stuff for that. But it's, I think with the pandemic and no racing and stuff, it's, it, it has kind of fallen by the wayside for right now. But we'll get back to it eventually, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Insert, I believe here. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Shelly. Is there anything else that I didn't touch on that you want to talk about? I think just the one thing that I was kind of going to give you this quote um, back. So before I really started, you know, being on the ground as a photographer in 2013, 2014, um, you know, the previous, you know, five or six years I was working in Calgary and as someone in the oil patch a lot of times you would get to attend things like the stampede so I was actually there with my cousin and her friend one night we were watching the trucks and I'm spewing out all of these facts like oh my god did you know that this guy won this and he just did his brother-in-law is this and and the, when he won that these were his outriders and that's him and that's him and this girl looks at me and just gives me this look and I'm like Oh God, I've gone too far, I've gone too far. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I, I, I don't know. I just thought you guys might be interested in some of this information. And she's like, no, what are you doing up here? You belong down there with them. And I'm like, just to think that like a few years later and, and now, you know, I can't see myself back up in the grandstand just, you know, as being, to, to have come full circle, to be, to be a part of that. It's just, you know, I would have never thought that that would have happened. So, Don't make me four for four and making people cry, please. <laughs> We're getting close. Damn. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Shelly. If people want to see your photos or learn more about you, how can they check you out? But um, I have a Facebook page for my photography, which is Shelly Scott Photography on Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me at Shelly.Scott. And I have a website, which is just if you Google Shelly Scott Photography, it'll be the one with the smug mug address that comes up. And my email, Shelly underscore Scott at homehill.com. And also, as well as all of the check wagon guys, anybody else that goes down the road is always looking for sponsors too. So if anybody wants to sponsor me, <laughs> I would be happy to help you out with that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Shelly. And uh, hopefully we get to see each other soon. Yeah, I, I hope it's, you know, this next little bit flies by and that we are, we are racing, you know, this time next year, it really would be excellent. 2021, here we come. You betcha. Thanks, Cass. Thank you, Shelley, for being on Women of the Wagons, where the men aren't the only ones with stories from the wagon trail. I think it's really cool to have these conversations and to hear from someone like Shelley, who also has been very much impacted by the cancellation of the 2020 WPCA season. She, while she's not training her horses and while she only owns one horse, she has put a lot of energy into the photography side. So hearing that aspect of it, I think is a very unique story. And I don't think it's one that we've heard. Again, thank you to Shelly for coming on and for having that conversation with me. 
This episode of Women in the Wagons is, of course, brought to you by Western Financial Group. Western Financial Group is a diversified insurance services company that's focused on creating security and has provided over 1 million Canadians the right protection for more than 100 years. When you need insurance for your home, office, farm, or vehicle, call Western Financial Group and visit westernfinancialgroup.com. In that interview, if you heard any like loud crashing in the background, it's because over the last little while... I don't know if everywhere's dealing with this, but uh, here in Southern Alberta, we're dealing with a lot of rain. <laughs> so uh, while me and Shelly were recording, there was actually a thunderstorm going on and there was hail falling on my window and d- that was fun. But thank you for listening. If you guys are wanting more checkwigging content, you can check out After the Ninth, hosted by Dayton Sutherland and myself, of course, on our social media channels, which is After the Ninth on Facebook after the ninth on Twitter, and after the ninth on Instagram. You can find the link to our latest project, which is the after the ninth race review, where Dayton and I break down uh, different nights throughout the 2019 season. So that's very exciting. You can also listen to the WPCA's backstage pass to the Chuck Wagons, which is outside the wagon, hosted by Brian Hebson. So you can find that on the links on afterthenight.com as well. And then we just released some new content, which is very exciting for me because uh, I get to share the stories, which if you listen to Women of the Wagons, you know that is a very big thing for me. So we just released a new piece called A Day in the Country. And thank you to Lane and Lorena McGilvery for letting me come out to the ranch and to help tell these stories. So go check that out on our social media pages as well. If you're looking for more WPCA information or content, head to the WPCA.com or follow them on social media at WPCA Chucks. And until next week, which will be episode number 10, we're hitting double digits. Doing a little dance over here. You can't see it, but it's happening. Um, Until then, I'm Cass Patterson. Pack up your bags and throw me the key.